Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk, another market down Monday. I am Nathan Baird, along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means from Cleveland.com. I feel like we are finally breaking through a lot of uh, speculative market down Mondays in the summer. I guess that's the point. But now we're starting to get into like real tangible market down Mondays as we draw closer to the season. Ohio State camp is starting this week, and we're going to start talking more and more specifically about the things that will actually happen on the field this year, starting with this week, which is what will be the closest game on Ohio State football schedule? I suppose you can interpret that a couple ways. What will be the only game Ohio State doesn't win, but more likely, or, or games, I suppose. Um, but really, I think we come into this exercise every year thinking, Ohio State's going to go 12-0 and in the regular season, or will probably go 12-0. and What's the one game that will give them the toughest game? Do you guys pursue it that way? I mean, do you guys look at it as when you were trying to do this, is, it, is your thought which of these games will be the one that Ohio State wins by the least, or which one is Ohio State the most likely to lose? Because that's a good, that's a good yeah. distinction, right? Because, like – Ohio State's you, closest games in 2018 and 2017 were not games that they lost. Right. They lost games by a lot uh, and then won some games by closer scores. Right. But we don't, we don't think they're going to lose. So it's, I mean, like the Maryland, right. I mean, like Maryland in 2018 is like as close as a game can be that you still win. Right. But they also had a game where Purdue blew them off the field in the fourth quarter that year. So we are approaching this, Nathan, correct? We are operating just like with the Quinn Ewers thing. We're operating under the assumption he's going to be here. Then what? We're operating under the assumption they're going to go twelve and zero. So which is the closest? Right. That's how we're saying this. So then the question is, which will actually, which will create the biggest knot in the stomachs of Ohio State fans, and which will be the closest on the scoreboard? Which doesn't have to be the same thing because you could have a really tight game in the fourth quarter in the middle of the fourth quarter and Ohio state scores two touchdowns at the end and wins by 20. But yet there was a time with eight minutes left where the opponent had the ball with a chance to go ahead. And then you could have a game against Rutgers where Ohio state dominates the whole way and gives up backup garbage time touchdowns and only wins by 17 in a game that they once led by 45. Right? So that's the distinction. What do you think is more interesting? What, what do you think we should be trying to say scoreboard or gut? I think it's a good question because you get games like last year, the Indiana game was technically the closest game by score, but it was a game that Ohio state was up 35 to seven. And then it got close late. Are you looking at the schedule this year thinking, okay, Ohio State's going to be favored in all of these games, but this is the one, regardless of what the score is, it's the team that gives you the most trepidation, right? 
it has that's why it has to be gut. I think a good example of this is the Penn State 2019 game where I also only won that game by 11 points, which isn't like the biggest margin, but they never really were in danger of really losing that game. They controlled it the entire way outside of a couple of fumbles, but they led the entire game. And honestly, when you watch that game, they probably should have won by 17 or more in that game. And so it has to be gut. It has to be which game do you feel like is going to be a four-quarter game and not because of mistakes here or there or because something random happened at the end, but because it literally for four quarters feels like this is a football game. That's actually a good example because I remember looking back at the 2019 schedule today and seeing – Man, I remember the Michigan State game being kind of close, right? No, it was like thirty-eight mm-hmm. to seven or something like that. Like they, but it was close early. Like it was, it was, it was a tougher game in the first half, and then Ohio State pulled away. Whereas last year, you look back, and the Penn State game was only a thirteen-point game, which is a, you know, not that big of a spread by Ohio State Big Ten standards. So definitely a big spread by Ohio State Penn State standards usually. But that game in my mind doesn't seem as close as even mm-hmm. a two-touchdown game. Yeah. Okay. So gut. I think gut. I guess we can answer both, right? Because I think if I, by that definition, I, I probably will give two different answers. Like, which is the one where they're actually threatened the most and you as a fan are legitimately worried? And which is one where the scoreboard might be closer than the game itself was because it's a team that can hang around a little bit. Maybe Ohio State overlooks them. Maybe there's a little bit of garbage time stuff. I think they have a team in mind for that too. So I guess we could answer both, right? Sure. So I picked kind of an arbitrary moment in time to ask this next question. Uh, over the past five years, we know Ohio State has four regular season losses, the 2018 Purdue, 2017 Oklahoma and Iowa, 2016 Penn State. How many wins, though, in that period, regular season games, past five years, how many wins by seven or fewer points? Oh, that's a really good question. And yeah. it's enhanced by my terrible, terrible memory. Um, so I'm not thinking at all, Buckeye talk, Regular season, regular, regular season, season, twelve games. game regular season, or yeah, uh, three. That was going to be my answer. I'll go four just to try to win this thing. Nine. Last year, Indiana, forty-two to thirty-five. Okay. okay. Penn State in 2018, 27, 26. Okay. Yeah. Nebraska, thirty-six, thirty-one, and Maryland, fifty-two, fifty-one. So right there, you're up to four. The Nebraska one is weird, but yes. Yeah, yes. but it counts. <laughs> yep, no, for sure. Yep. 2017, Penn State 39 to 38. Yep. And then 2016 is where it gets off the rails. Uh, Wisconsin 30 to 23. And that was overtime. So, like any overtime game, I think, right. fits the definition anyway. Northwestern 24 to 20. Weird, 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 weird. They were flat. Northwestern wasn't that good, but a good example. Oh, this other one's really weird. Michigan State 17 to 16. Yeah. Yes. And Michigan 30 to 27. Yeah, that was a bad guess by us. Because, like, I was thinking, while not thinking, it's like, well, the two Penn State ones are obvious, right? Those were miracle rallies. And then the Maryland game that nobody forgets. So, like, I kind of said those two. But it's like, well, yeah. But, like, the Curtis Samuel Michigan game, that's in that Mm -hmm. threshold. I forgot about that. And then there are a couple weird ones in there. Okay. That's a good – that's a good – I mean, again, still, like, fewer than two a year is not a ton – but it's not like it only happens like once every four years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was – I'm kind of glad that you guys guessed on the low end because I think it reemphasizes sometimes. Um, now, four of those were in 2016. So if you go over the past four years, there's only five. And, and like you said, like the Nebraska game in 2018 was strange. That Maryland game, I mean, my God, like 
<laughs> that was really just a, a, a game unto itself, right? Like, you don't – if they play that game ten times, do you think Maryland wins any of them? And how, them, how many of them even come uh, anywhere near I that? mean, but the way it played out, they probably should have lost. I mean, like, the way yeah. it actually played suppose, out in yeah. the moment. And, and they had – I mean, Anthony McFarland, right? He was the running back. That dude yes. was real. Yeah, his first two touchdowns real. were like 70 – his first two touchdowns were like 70-yard runs the first two times Maryland had the ball. And that was a combination I, of McFarland and what Ohio State had going on defense. on defense. Right? Yeah. That, that, so, defense. But, and the Penn State games, I mean, it's like the question is, is Penn State kind of back to that level to be able to give you give Ohio State like everything they have? And, and again, Penn State should have won probably both of those, but at least one of them. I mean, they absolutely, especially the, the one – in-state college with Dwayne Haskins where Ohio State figures out the screen game late. Like, they really – you know, you got JT Barrett kind of did uh, – you know, again, rose to the occasion in a way that um, is incredibly memorable. I think JT kind of won that game. The other one, Penn State should have figured out. So, yeah. But to your point, the 16 team does throw it off a little bit because that's why – it's why the 16 team made the playoff as the non-champ because they won some really tight games against good teams – they were, not a, though. they were not a one-loss team. I mean, again, that, that was – they got credit for that when in actuality – it's not luck, but as many close games as they have kind of proved the holes they had. Yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. So, like you said, four of them in 2016. These past couple years, you know, during the Ryan Day era, there have only been one, and that was the Indiana game last year. Where, as we already said, they're up big. Indiana comes back, makes it a one-touchdown game, and has the ball, but at no point – did I feel like Ohio State was on the verge of like losing that game? I mean, D- Doug, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but like you compared the Indiana game last year to let's say those two Penn State one point wins, or the Maryland game, or the Wisconsin overtime game, or the Michigan game in 2016. That those all seem like a different level of scare than Indiana last year. Not even the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those games, Ohio State was like furiously trying to come back, and the right. other ones, they were just like trading punches, blow for blow. Like, last team that scores wins, who's it going to be? You have no idea. Those games were all either coin flips or actually you really, really thought that Ohio State was probably going to lose. Where Indiana is just leaking oil, leaking oil, leaking oil. What's going on? How is this happening? And I guess they've lost games like that. They don't I'm – tr- I'm having a hard time thinking of that. Because, like, as you said, it's kind of weird. Like, the Purdue and Iowa loss is like they just kind of got blown off the field by teams that you didn't expect to do it. But the idea of them like blowing a huge lead and actually losing, now it makes me think to myself, when's the last time that actually happened? It just never felt, right? It just never felt like it was actually going to happen. Where are those other examples, Nathan? It absolutely felt like it was going to happen. Especially because with that one, it was more like, all right, eventually they're going to settle down and stop allowing this to happen. It wasn't so much what Indiana was doing. It was so much what Ohio State wasn't doing, to, whether it was on offense or defense that allowed Indiana back into the game. So I think you hear once in a while, it comes from fans, it comes from the media. Once in a while, you'll even hear it from a coach, usually after the fact, as maybe trying to um, justify the way their team played. Uh, They'll say, this team needs a scare. This team needs to be kind of pushed. This team needs a a close game. Like we said, under Ryan Day, regular season, this team hasn't really been threatened. Uh, You know, trailed at halftime in the Big Ten Championship game the last two years. And obviously in the playoff, they've experienced loss. But does this team need 
a true scare in the regular season? Does this program need a true scare in the regular season? Does Ryan Day need a true scare in the regular season? Stephen, I want you to answer first because I think Doug is probably going to then jump in off the top rope and just destroy the whole premise of the question. No, I, I don't believe in this whole you need a scare for the sake of experience. Just go win the football game. That's your experience. Keep winning football games. I've never been one of those, oh, because, you know, Minnesota almost beat us or Oregon almost beat us. We got to remember that when we get up against Penn State, you should just be ready to play football. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. That, that, like, I don't think, yeah, playing a close game in the regular season, like, doesn't help you beat Bama. And as you said, they haven't done it. They blew Clemson off the field last year when they had to have it and it didn't now does like playing good competition help you yes playing good competition helps you but you don't have to play a tight game against good competition you can just be like you know what you know and like last year's a bad example but if it's like oh you know what penn state is pretty good it would be better for ohio state to beat penn state by seven than it would be for ohio state to beat penn state by 35 that i don't believe like they're good they have good players they challenge you and you smoke them. Good. Go on what and get works, ready for the playoff. What works better is, oh, they're a really good team and we blew them out. So that's our experience. We just put, we, when we play really good teams, we know we can blow them out. This kind of goes hand in hand with what I asked before about um, maybe overestimating how many close games Ohio State has played. Ohio State was five and four against the spread uh, going by the Vegas Insider last year and failed to cover as a favorite three times. But last year was just like such a weird year, obviously, with COVID. And I think that was definitely – and you, Doug, what you mentioned before definitely applied to like, let's say, the Rutgers game um, just being as, as weird as it was. Um, and then the other two, the times they failed to cover as a favorite were Indiana, when, again, they were up 35-7, to and then the Northwestern game, the Big Ten Championship game. Um, we haven't talked about this in a while. We've used this kind of fear factor term in the past uh, to kind of gauge like how much should fans be worried about x or y or z what is your fear factor right now or what should a fan's fear factor be right now for any ohio state regular season loss in 2021 like how vulnerable does this team feel to potentially losing a game in 2021 it depends on the loss honestly i think at this point if it's minnesota or oregon i think it's forgivable because of the narrative that's going into those two games but then also oregon's supposed to be pretty good and so you might be able to still get into the playoff if your one loss is to oregon but if it's later in the season like anything after the bye week or you had one of those 17 18 type losses then that's where your fear factor goes up because i don't you can't forgive those type of losses i guess i'm looking just from a likelihood standpoint though i mean going into last year it really felt to me i guess i could go back and listen because we talked about it but I, I certainly got this vibe that last year's team, the, the fear factor of any loss seemed low outside of the threat of COVID. I don't feel like people were that concerned about that team potentially losing a regular season game. It was mm-hmm. almost like 12 and 0 was, well, or wh- however many and O was going to be the default setting. Doesn't this feel, do you feel like there's more fear factor for some kind of loss this year? I mean, with the young quarterback, there has to be, mm-hmm. but I don't, think there is like the obvious team on the schedule where you would see it like you know they're just they don't have an Oklahoma or a Georgia or an Alabama on their schedule that would they would have to play before the playoffs so but I do think it is probably somewhat significantly increased over last year because last year to your point was almost zero so I don't think it's zero this year. Like I've said, I think we, you know, we already made our picks and picked them to go 12 and 0. Like I, I don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. It's kind of hard for me to like 
Like, is it really going to happen? But there's also the difference between like, is it really going to happen? And like the fear of, could it happen? So I think, will it actually happen is still pretty low. The fear of it happening, I think is increased because I think Oregon has a good defense. I think Penn state has a couple dudes. That's probably it in the regular season. And then I think it's possible that like Wisconsin and Iowa, you know, in a big 10 championship game is a legitimate opponent, but they're going to have a pretty huge talent edge. And I think, again, the other 10 spots on this offense are pretty special when you think about the level of experience and talent and what they'll be able to do beyond the quarterback. So I would be, don't get over, my advice to Ohio State fans was don't be overconfident against Oregon though. And, and, and I don't think they will be. I think they'll be, for all the stuff we just said, the quarterback mm-hmm. stuff and the stuff we've talked about with some of the good defensive players that Oregon has and a veteran quarterback. I think they'll be sufficiently fearful, but not freaked out. But I think that could be a knot in your stomach at some point in that game in the second half. It might be a situation where it's 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 a seven out of ten before Oregon game, but after you get through that, if you win it, then it starts going down every week, six out of ten, five out of ten, four. Because yes, you have a young quarterback, but every game he plays, he gains more experience, regardless of how this all works out with Quinn and whatnot. Yeah, I think the one thing that can, could contribute to overconfidence against Oregon is if Ohio State goes out against Minnesota and the mm-hmm. Gophers have not repaired their pretty bad, pretty terrible run defense. Ohio State runs over them. You don't have to test whoever's playing quarterback that much. And then that maybe creates a little bit of overconfidence going into playing an Oregon team that may be the best defense Ohio State sees all year, at least until the Big Ten Championship game or the playoff. Real quick, is what's uh, since camp starts this week? So, if there is more fear factor this year, what's maybe the thing that we're watching as camp unfolds that solves that the most? Is it just quarterback play, or is it more so on the defensive side of the ball? I think it might be more on defense as far as whether I where I see the fear factor because I'm already baking in a certain ceiling to quarterback play potentially in how I'm looking at this team. I think that goes back to what we've talked about a lot. Uh, talked about a lot with the quarterbacks the idea of like well somebody will be good right like even if you're not sure what it was and Quinn Ewers is a complicating factor but like I don't think they're going to put an incompetent quarterback out there Mm -hmm. so if you don't think that I do think Nathan what you're saying about the defense it's like especially if the defense looks like the defense will actually be good then that lessens the pressure on the offense and then you don't figure you know you have to score 42 to beat Oregon right or what that because, hey, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett are tearing people's arms off, and Sean Wade looks like Damon Arnett or Garyon Conley, and Josh Proctor looks like an All-Big Ten guy. And, yeah, I think pass rush and secondary play could ease a lot, a lot of any perhaps bubbling fears. I think it's even just just hearing, oh, man, they, we really think this number two cornerback is solid. Like, we know who it is, and, man, he's really stepping up, as opposed to, like, well, we're going to see which of these three guys actually emerges and wins a job. Like, just subtle things like that. Maybe that's not even that subtle, but just things like that, I think, make you feel a lot better about where this defense is, as opposed – because I don't know how much we're going to get to see with our eyes. We think we'll get to see some, but how much we actually get to witness with our eyes and evaluate ourselves um, remains to be seen for this uh, preseason camp. We're going to take a break there. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about what we know as far as the lines right now. We're going to talk about where our texters feel like Ohio State's biggest threats will come in 2021. And then we'll get into marking down what we think the closest game will be this season. You're listening to Buckeye Talk.
We're back on Buckeye Talk. Like I already said before, Ohio State was 5-4 and four against the spread in 2020. We're trying to pick what the Buckeyes' closest game will be in 2021. So there's only one Vegas Insider consensus line. That's the one we go by a lot because it pulls in a bunch of different books. Ohio State's favored by 13.5 at Minnesota. That game opened at minus 14. So it hasn't changed much, but it has dropped a little bit. Um, and I was looking over some other lines that BetMGM has posted. There's one on here that's really interesting to me. Uh, the Oregon line has dropped slightly. Ohio State favored by 10, was 10.5. Uh, Ohio State's favored by 11 at Indiana, uh, by 12.5 at home against Penn State, by 22 at home against Purdue, 27 at home against Michigan State. And then the really interesting one, Ohio State opened as a 13.5 point favorite at Michigan. It's down to 10.5. Anything out of that list that jumps out to you guys? I think I would hit the Minnesota line. Like the idea that the line for Minnesota is only like two points higher than the line for the Indiana game to me is almost entirely based on like quarterback uncertainty and it being that guy's first start. But I think I would hit that pretty hard. And if it's like, if it's the upset of the century and all the things that you might be worried about all come together and Holy moly, it's the thing we talked about last year, Ryan day's first loss is going to be at Minnesota then you take your loss and just be like, yeah, I mean, I guess there was a chance of that happening. But I think there's like a pretty good chance. It's like, oh, no, yeah, remember how Ohio State is significantly better than Minnesota? Who cares what day it is? Who cares what time it is? Who cares how many starts the quarterback has? They're just going to win 35 to 10. Like, what are we doing with a 14-point line? That feels like something I would I would hit. And the Michigan stuff is like, you know, how much are you going to hang on rivalry stuff? How much are you going to hang on J.J. McCarthy? It's like, Oh, I say it's not two touchdowns better than Michigan. I might feel comfortable making that bet right now as well. The Minnesota thing seems like people are starting to fall in love with the idea because Minnesota's bringing back 10 starters on offense and uber number of guys on defense. And it's like, that's fine. Your returning starters are not better than Ohio State's returning starters for the most part. Yeah, the one thing I guess that has given me pause against Minnesota is whether they move the ball, whether that just keeps Ohio State's offense off the field to some extent, but I still feel like Ohio State's going to score when it gets the ball, possibly at a, you know, probably at a better rate than Minnesota will. So it's one of those games where, like, if you told Ohio State fans right now they could win that game 45 to 28, they'd take that and move on to the next week, I think, right? But I think if they win that game 45 to 28, we'll be like, oh, that was a little tight. Yeah. And then 38 like, 21. They like cover. That, you know, yeah. No, but, but, but that's still, they still cover. Right. Like you're giving game scores where they cover, but yet it, it would be like, good. oh, that wasn't great, right? Like there's a version, because that's the thing of like, hey, that absolutely could be a game that it's like Ohio State's up 21-7 in the second half, Minnesota scores in the middle of the third quarter to make it 21-14, and then like Ohio State scores twice in the last eight minutes mm-hmm. and wins 35-14, and like it wasn't great. You maybe you're a little worried as an Ohio State fan, but it's like a nice smooth cover. So that's yeah. the thing. Like Ohio State cannot play that well and win by more than 14 for sure. Yeah, and it could also be 35 to seven in a Minnesota scores late. So I guess that's more of what, like kind of the, the, the concept I was thinking about there. We asked our tech subscribers what they think the closest game will be this year. If you haven't jumped on board, six one four three five zero three three one five right now, like literally today is a great day to sign up for this. Uh, camp starts tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. 
We are expecting to know Ohio State's starting quarterback in the next couple of weeks, possibly by about the time your two-week free trial will be running out. So you could – I'm not – we don't know the exact date, thinking of on or around that date. So if you jump on now, you're going to get a lot of camp intel from these next couple of weeks. Um, we don't know – we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, so the Quinn Ewers stuff is still, like, happening – as, as we speak, maybe that'll be resolved by the time you hear this. Maybe it won't, and you'll get text from us as soon as it happens when things happen in, 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 on that uh, storyline. So, again, 614-350-3315. Four teams received zero votes. And I don't think they're going to necessarily surprise anybody. Well, one did a little bit. Tulsa, Akron, Michigan State, and Maryland. Zero votes as a potential closest game score-wise on the Ohio State football schedule. Maryland's the one that maybe surprised me a little bit. But they were also a team that, uh, from our voting in the, the Cleveland.com preseason poll, Maryland, people seemed a little bit flatter on than I expected. Um, I, I think uh, the, the power rankings, when Tyler Shoemaker was on, I think those were still a little bit um, lukewarm on, on Maryland. Do you guys think that that is a kind of game that has a chance to, as it did in 2018, uh, give Ohio State any kind of issues? That is my game, not for the gut game, but for the scoreboard game. Yep. Noon start. It's homecoming. Maryland has some skill guys. And, like, the idea that Ohio State is, like, up 35-7 to seven and Talia Tonga-Vailoa and Rakeem Jarrett, like, start tearing up Ohio State's backup defenses. And Ohio State wins by 10. And, like, Ryan Day has, like, put the starting quarterback back in the game. Like, that's the game to me that I would pinpoint of like, they never were going to lose. Like, I don't think it's what, you know, what you're asking. I'm not thinking that of that game in terms of 2018 kind of close, but like fake close scoreboard close, potentially the closest game on the scoreboard in the 2021 regular season. That might, I, that's my pick of it being a possibility. You think I 2021 think it, Maryland could be 2020 Indiana? Yes. I was going to say that, or maybe even the Rutgers one where it's like, we even asked Justin Fields after that game, Justin, did you expect to play as long as you did in that game? He's like, honestly, no. But they kept doing stuff because our defense couldn't get stops. So here I am halfway through the third quarter playing in a football game. But Rutgers still doesn't have any good players, right? I don't even know who the Rutgers play. I mean, Maryland right. has a yeah. couple dudes, right? That yeah. that's, I mean, it's whatever. more the concept than the actual you know, players. But, yeah, Indiana is probably the best example. I mean, I think we talked about it. Like Dante Demas, Rakeem Jarrett. Talia Tonga Vailoa, like that's a, mm-hmm. they have some dudes. They have a couple dudes that are, you know, I don't know that they're going to tear up Ohio State starters, but I think you got to show them a little respect. So backdoor, backdoor terrapin cover on that one. Um, a, and by the way, for anybody who's text who is a, a text subscriber and who voted in this, these are the results as of 1:40 p.m. on Thursday. So if you vote later and you voted for Maryland, I didn't uh, ignore you. I just didn't see it at the time we were doing this poll. Uh, I will the say polls are open. I have found this in general, Nathan, and you're talking about, you're saying nobody voted for Maryland, but whatever, I mean, maybe this is just how polls work, which is maybe why sample size isn't as important as you think. It's like most of the time, the initial flash of the immediate response, if you look at like the percentages when the first 80 people vote in something and then you wait and it's a couple hundred and whatever, most of the time it's the same. Like there is definitely a lot of the times there is like, there is a, the, the, the opinion of the fan base coalesces pretty quickly 
And it's like, oh no, like 70% of the people thought this. And that was true in the first 50 votes. And that was true after several hundred votes. But to your point, yes, there might be a Maryland straggler. By the way, the Michigan State getting zero votes. I was looking today at, and that was a team that we all dismissed kind of, I think as we were making our, did we all pick them last in the Big Ten East? I know I did. They were the yeah, consensus so. last team in the Big Ten East from the poll. Um, I can't remember, Doug, did you pick them last? or was Maybe that not. Teams? I might have picked them sixth ahead of Rutgers. I can't remember. But, but, but clearly bad. But they're a team that's like gaining some voting traction in a weird way. I saw that they um, – so I got an email today from BetMGM. I'm bringing this up for another reason too. Um, that of the three teams that have had their team total bet the over the most per BetGM, BetMGM, one's Ole Miss. Nobody cares about that. But Michigan State is one of those teams. They've got a uh, – and actually their line has moved from four and a half to five, I think. So either people thought four and a half was wildly off or people are more optimistic about the Spartans or both. The other reason I'm bringing it up, though, is because there's an Ohio State connection to the third team that has had its team total bet over the most, according to BetMGM. It was a team that was projected to win 1.5 games this year. Anybody know who that is? Kansas. No, it's not Kansas? Nope. I'm all over. Ohio State connection. Ohio State Um, connection. Can we get a conference? Can we get one? No, it'll give it away. Okay. Is it somewhere where Tim Beck is the head coach? Is Tim no. Beck a head coach? No. No. <laughs> it's, is Bill it's Davis tenac- a head coach? It's the tenacious <laughs> Tathans of UNLV. Hey. Oh. Oh, yeah. That would, okay, yeah. The conference wouldn't have given it away. No, that is, uh, that is all Bill Landis money pouring yeah. in on the UNLV yeah. over. Yeah. I would not I bet if you tracked it geographically, I bet there's some Columbus money, some Ohio money that's now on the the running rebs to to win two football games in 2021 thanks to Tate Martell. Their their over under was that low. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. crazy. That's that's pretty that's pretty terrible. I'd like to go look at I'm not going to do it. We don't care that much, but that schedule must be um they must have just did they somehow did they join the SEC also? I don't know. I also, I also can't believe you just said the phrase, we don't care that much about anything related to Tate Martell. <laughs> yeah. Well, we I, I, if, if one of you wants to go look up their schedule, that's fine. But I'm, I'm moving back to the reason we had this podcast, which was. I, you did the Tate transfer little story the other day. How'd that do on the site? Did it get some oh, hits? Oh, very well. It did so, quite well. So, I mean, like, we, when you say we don't care about UNLV and Tate Martell. That's only in the context of if we don't care how many people read our stories mm-hmm. on our digital website. <laughs> if you want some freebies, I'm not so sure Tate Martell watch shouldn't be a thing at cleveland.com this year. We briefly did a Tate Martell watch like his freshman year where we were talking about Tate Martell on a video every week, no matter what, just based on like what he did on Instagram about his yep. dog. And then we stopped. But we were probably on the right track. So I don't know what you're doing with Monday Madness and like sort of your national column, Nathan, that you wrote mm-hmm. a year ago. But I should um, just do Martell Madness. I'm this not is- here to tell you, but you might be onto something. <laughs> Tate Martell can get you through a weekend. You post one thing about him on a Friday and you're going to have 80,000 views by Monday. On just, just that story, if you do nothing else the rest of the weekend. It's just like, did Tate Martell throw five touchdowns on Saturday? Yeah. No, he no. did not. He threw one and he threw three interceptions, but I, I don't know. 
I, uh, I watched Teddy Martell do jumping jacks during warm-ups. Did I already tell us on the podcast that I was I was writing that piece up the other day, which actually, by the way, Doug, is the number two traffic story that I've written in the past week. I just checked. Um, it's like your five I, minutes. I, I was writing it up, and I showed my wife uh, his picture from his, his recruiting picture, the one where he's wearing the, the glasses and stuff. And I'm like, uh, his, his first name is actually Tathan, and she thought I was lying. It's like, no, it's not. That's your, that's your in. I think you could call UNLV and set something up. And mm-hmm. we could just, that could be the thing from Nathan to Tathan, the weekly Martell watch. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I think you may regret the phrase, we don't care about how it relates to Tate Martell. I, I, all I said was, uh, I didn't care about UNLV's schedule, but now you're talking me into it. But well, maybe, well, maybe that'll be a different podcast. But back to the poll. I'm sorry I took us down that line. I can't uh, believe we didn't do – we did a boat – we did an emergency Quinn Ewers pod, and we did not do an emergency Tate Martell transfers to UNLV pod. But we Listen, we did a podcast when he first went into the transfer portal again when he left Miami, and it was – I did the post for it, and it was awesome. What are we doing here? The Buckeye talk is, is, is falling. Slipping. Slipping. We got to do – forget the post. The weekly – we're the sixth podcast, the bonus sixth podcast. Should be Tate Martell. <laughs> Martell Madness on Buckeye Talk. All right. Well, we'll have a meeting after. I, I know we like – yeah, go ahead. I think you're right, though. I think it has to be a part of um, Monday Madness. That's just, that's just too easy. Um, okay, I'm looking at the schedule now. Eastern Washington, Arizona State, <laughs> Iowa State, so that's not an easy one, at UNLV. How did, wow, that's interesting. Uh, Fresno State, uh, Texas San Antonio, Utah State, San Jose State, Nevada, New Mexico, Hawaii, San Diego State, and Air Force. I don't know. That seems like even before they get Tate the Great, that's not a two-win schedule. Let's pool our Buckeye Talk money. Put yeah. some put some money on Tate. Give us some reason to, to follow. Line's moving. We had our, we had our window, <laughs> Ted, and we blew it. Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones thought they were a dark horse college football playoff contender. Tate Martell had other ideas college game day heading to vegas heading to vegas baby bring tom rinaldi back one good time oh man martell versus purdy what everybody uh, the quarterback matchup that has the nation a buzz i mean like we 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 say it like it's a joke it's not i mean I'm like kind of serious <laughs> Every person in Ohio would watch college game day if Tate Martell, if they were like an exclusive interview with Tate Martell. It's like, ESPN, you want to make money or not? What are you doing here? It's like, hey, you want to go get brunch on Saturday morning before the Ohio State game? It's like, oh, no, I can't leave. Tate's going to be on game day at 1030. (laughs) Well, they would just have it up at every restaurant in Columbus. I mean, it would be on every TV in, in your brunch place. We get the ratings. It's like one of those things. You get the ratings. And Columbus and Cleveland really pop a lot of the time. Ohio, everywhere in Ohio does when it comes to college football ratings. But it's like, yeah. College game day for the 1030 to 11 window got an 87 share in Columbus when Tate was on. The rest of the country was like a three, including Las Vegas. But <laughs> it's, only his, right. it's only his parents and Bishop Gorman people watching in Vegas. Everybody else is gambling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tate, we miss you, buddy. Back to the issue at hand. Uh, going back through the Texter results on which will be Ohio State's closest game in 2021. So those are the four teams, Texas, Akron, uh, sorry, Tulsa, Akron, Maryland, Michigan State. No votes for them. One vote 
for a team that I actually thought would get more than one vote. It's it's the it's the the team that Ohio State weirdly struggles with, and they happen to be on the schedule this year. Do you guys know oh. who that is? Oh, Purdue. Purdue. Only it's one. It's the vote. Boilermakers. Only one vote for the Boilermakers out of a a, a pretty sizable number of votes. Um, surprising at all. Yeah, I feel like our texters and our listeners, that's one of the things they do express fear about. There are people who definitely buy into like, what is up with that? Which, and and I'm not here to tell them otherwise. Because, I mean, you can go through, right? I mean, if you want to go through, and we know, again, a Purdue's played, Purdue's won more games against Ohio State in the last 12 years than like Indiana, Minnesota, Michigan and like a bunch of teams have won against Ohio State combined in the last 50, 30 years, whatever. It's, it's crazy. You can go through and sort of find explanations for it, right? Well, that's Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, it was 2011. Everything was nuts. You know, it was Rondale Moore and a bad defense, whatever, and the, and the Tyler Trent and the emotion of the moment. Like you can find the stuff, but there's a lot of them. And at some point, a bunch of one-offs – are a trend, and I'm not sure – I don't think you can really explain it overall, but I'm a little surprised that more people didn't lean into that because I feel like over time we've had people text that to us, like, oh, Purdue, I don't – Purdue, like, I'm freaked out about Purdue right now. Plus, like, David Bell's good. They have a couple good players. George Karloffis is good. David Bell's good, and by the time we get to that game, you'll have at least an idea of what the secondary looks like, just like you did in 2018 when Rondell Moore went nuts. It was like, oh, this secondary is really bad. Someone's going to get it one day. Rondell Moore, ladies and gentlemen. So if, if the first you know, eight or nine games, if this secondary doesn't look better, I think the fear factor on that game starts going up a little bit more, even if it is in, Ohio, in Columbus. Yeah, that's probably fair. I think that's more fair than looking at the trend. I mean, the trend is over like a dozen years, and it's three and three, but that included an overtime loss uh, or an mm-hmm. overtime win for Ohio State. So it's like it's it, they are the like this weird thorn in the side. But over twelve years is like an eternity in college football because you turn over your roster so much, and to have only six games in that period, it's it's a trend. But it's like not a trend that I would like be betting money on the trend. I think it's it's more a case that I don't know when Purdue has maybe had an offensive player and a defensive player at the same time. Like it's like having Kerrigan and Rondell Moore on the same team when Purdue could already beat them in a one-off way with each of them. But um, I would still favor Ohio State pretty heavily in that game this year uh, because I don't think the rest of that Purdue roster is quite at Ohio State's level, obviously. That just happens to be two guys who can can play that. But I think you're right, Stephen, that I think um, the the fear factor for that game could increase or decrease um, considerably depending on how Ohio State's defense looks in these uh, first half of the season. And then – Two other teams only got two votes apiece, and they're both road games. And actually, the road games, uh, as you might expect, were, were fairly heavy, but the, the, two, the two biggest vote-gators were at home. Um, but, but two teams only got two te- votes apiece, and that's at Rutgers and at Nebraska. And uh, at Rutgers, not, not that surprising. Um, I, some of that might be Shiano. Some of that might be what people saw last year and just maybe being a little wigged out by what – Rutgers was doing and thinking that from from Doug's to use Doug's term the, the scoreboard game where it, it's not that close but it the score says it is um, and then Nebraska I, I wonder if there there might be a couple of people out there who just think that 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 is a team that has underachieved its talent a little bit and is still kind of lying in wait to be that surprise team from the West as Iowa was in 2017 as Purdue was in 2018 that can 
put a weird scare into Ohio State. Which I don't, yeah. I don't get the Nebraska, you know, faith at all. I think that's got to – I think Ohio State put that to bed in 2019 when they went there, and then Nebraska's been, you know, rolling down the hill ever since. I would have more faith in Purdue than I would in Nebraska at this point, even with Purdue's roster. Yeah, the only thing of stuff like that is, oh, like, I think everybody in the Big Ten is kind of, especially like since Scott Frost got there, has kind of been waiting for Nebraska mm-hmm. to be the team that jumps up all of a sudden. And now I think everybody has bailed on waiting for them to be the team. And then maybe when that's when they'll be the team, right? That like right when you mm-hmm. give up on – but that's like a lot of convoluted thinking about a team that's not very good. So, so I don't I – don't, I wouldn't go that way. And I think Rutgers is still a year or two away. I don't mm-hmm. think that – I mean, if Shiano's getting it done in recruiting, the talent base that's there right now still for, like, for this year's team, I just don't think is it. And they had a little bit of juice last year. Weird pandemic year. Shiano injection of energy. And now I think this is just going to be more of a year of like, okay, like Shiano's like getting the foundation set again, but they don't have very many good players. So that's going to show up, I think, in year two. Yeah, here was the Nebraska logic um, from, from our texter in the 314. Uh, and voted they will – oh, just said that Nebraska the closest game and then voted that they will lose a game based on the starting viewers for game one. That's a different – I actually asked a different poll question. We'll get to that at the end as to wh- where our – where our uh, listeners feel Ohio State is at as far as potentially losing any game in 2021. So can I assume that I have not yet named the team that you both marked down as your most likely close game for Ohio State in 2021? No. So my scoreboard team is Maryland. Right. But I have not said my gut team yet. Okay. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. And as I finish reading up this list from the texters, we can each jump in and say when we get to the one that we are marking down as our most likely close game for Ohio State in 2021. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. We are predicting Ohio State's closest game on the 2021 schedule. The fifth highest vote-getter is the season opener at Minnesota. 6% of our texters picked that game. I was actually thinking it would be higher because we were getting a lot of our texters who actually wrote in with reasoning we're picking Minnesota from the 3-2-1. Somehow I expect that the game at Minnesota will be the closest. They have a veteran offensive line, a good running game, and QB. Being on the road with a new QB, I can see Ohio State having closer than expected with Minnesota. Uh, from the 4-1-9, I just completed this survey and have to clarify, I think Minnesota may be the closest game, but not only have some of these players never played against Minnesota, they have never been part of the game because they got skipped, not to mention it's at Minnesota. I won't ever bet against that being the toughest game, especially when it skipped a generation. The first game starter, first game Big Ten competition, it's probably Minnesota. And then from the 5-1-3, season opener on the road at night on a Thursday, new quarterback, still trying to feel out Trayvon Henderson as a possible lead back. Just feels like it could be a closer game than the talent on both teams might suggest it should. So like I said, 6% of our texters voted for Minnesota. Either of you voting for Minnesota as the closest game for 2021. It's not my – I'm going to take the Doug approach to this. It's from a scoreboard standpoint, I think it might be that just because it's the first game. Maybe Ohio State starts out slow, and so it's maybe close at halftime, and Ohio State score – it does what it's usually done the last two years where it has a great quarter that pulls it away. But for it's not like – maybe they do win by 17 points or whatnot or 14 points. But because of how the game plays out, it looks closer on the scoreboard than maybe it actually was. I, I just think a lot of these games – when you talk about 
like at Minnesota in prime time on a Thursday, I actually think Ohio State is a little more vulnerable. Like there's going to be some juice for that game, right? Like there's not so mm-hmm. much. It's not going to Minnesota. No, excuse me. It's not going to Wisconsin or Iowa or Penn State where there is like a great home field advantage and it's a stadium where the fans are on top of you and the place shakes or, you know, Happy Valley, there's 108,000 people or whatever. Like it's not that. But because it's in prime time and it's the opener, that kind of thing, like it'll have a little juice, right? Mm -hmm. Like it'll have – I actually think sometimes – and this sounds like a trap game and and I'm so anti-trap game. And it's, it's not the same because usually trap game is like in between things or whatever. Like, oh, it's between this team and that team. But like it's a lack of juice game that I think is a little more dangerous sometimes, right? And so that's why I think like a noon start at home against Maryland, I don't know. Like that just to me, I feel like maybe they're a little more vulnerable than, it, than and then like the quality of the team. Yeah, I think Minnesota's pretty okay. But – I think sometimes when you think about a close game, I think some component of that sometimes, man, it makes me sound like I'm talking about trap games, which I hate. I think some component of it sometimes is like Ohio State sort of being surprised. And I, and I don't think they – how could they be surprised? How could they like not be up for the opener with yeah. a new quarterback you've got to protect at night on TV? Like they'll be up for it, right? Yeah, I think the season opener is almost immune from being a trap game to me because I think you're putting so much focus on that game as a program preparing that even if you've got, even if they were playing Alabama in week two or playing Michigan in week two, it's hard to call the season opener a true trap game. I feel like it almost has to be the middle of a three game stretch. Now we're getting into defining what a trap game. I'm sure we've done that on the pod before, but I, I, I wouldn't, I would, I understand why people might have some concerns about this game for just X's and O's reasons, and Ohio State's um, inexperience reasons, I don't think I would call it a trap game, though. You can't be a trap game when you've waited eight months to play it. That's just, you know, that's just. I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. Um, slightly more votes. Only 7% of the vote, though, went to at Michigan, the traditional Thanksgiving weekend, the game. Um, not a lot of support for that being the closest game, and that's that, that says a lot, actually. I mean, there are three teams that got – a much higher percentage of vote. The third, so Michigan was fourth. The third place team got twice as much support to be the closest game, and then much higher for the first and second place teams on on this texter vote. Does that surprise you guys that it's that low? Only seven percent thinking the Michigan game will be Ohio State's closest game. No, Michigan's not really giving anybody a reason to think that they won't win, lose this game by at least twenty-one points. Honestly, I mean the the blowouts of eighteen and nineteen are just stuck in people's heads. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like we've seen. Again, you mentioned the 16 game. I mean, the 16 game was awesome. It was a, I mean, it was a great game. Mm-hmm. Could have gone either way. But Ohio State fans don't believe in Michigan's emphasis on the rivalry, and they don't believe in Jim Harbaugh's coaching ability, and they don't believe in Michigan's talent level. And so, again, you know Ohio State's going to be ready for that. And if Michigan can't stack up in those three areas, and the last two times they went on the field, Ohio State blew their doors off, then – I'm not surprised it didn't get more. Did I have either of you picked Michigan as the closest game? No, no, nor did I. Uh, third place team on this list, Indiana, 14% of the vote. That's at Indiana. So Ohio State, last time they went to Bloomington in 2019, 
obviously dusted the Hoosiers pretty good. Last year, as we already talked about, big lead for Ohio State. Um, Michael Penix starts throwing lasers to uh, Walt Fillier and Ty Freifeig, and all, all of a sudden it's a one-touchdown game late. I assume that is as much of what is playing into to voters' minds as anything, and, and maybe some respect for the fact that Penix is back and, and uh, Freifogel's back, and Indiana could have a pretty decent defense. It'd be a good team. It's going to be in Bloomington. It's still just – it's jarring to me to see 14% of our Texers voting for that and only seven voting for Michigan. That's just not happening again because they're not catching anybody off guard. Like, that, like uh, the whole second half was literally Indiana just catching Ohio State off guard offensively and defensively. They're going to be ready for that this year. They're going to prepare for that game. And so you can't fool somebody twice with that same approach. In, a, in terms of a direct comparison between Indiana and Michigan, I don't know if I 100% agree with this, but I think most Ohio State, State fans would say Indiana's coach is better. We know Indiana's quarterback is better than Michigan. And I think Indiana's overall talent level is at least close and on defense is probably better, right? Maybe not recruiting talent, but like football playing talent, like Indiana has some guys on defense. So it is jarring, Nathan. Like I agree with the con- like, man, that's weird, but in context, Steve- it, yeah, to Steven's point, Indiana is not sneaking up on anybody, but I think they're a better football team. Doesn't mean they'll beat Michigan. Doesn't mean they'll have a better season than Michigan. I do think them dealing with expectations will be a thing a little bit. But I think there are several reasons to just sort of think of them as a better football team for this season. So as we already said, Ohio State opens at Minnesota on a Thursday night. That means we'll get to be back home watching a full day of Big Ten football on Saturday. Indiana at Iowa, 3.30 on opening weekend, I think is just an awesome game. It's just an awesome game. I like these Big Ten crossovers in week one. I can't believe. And then Penn State, Wisconsin. It's yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's the second and third best. And it's weird that, like, it's almost weird that Ohio State's not in that because it's the second and third best teams in the East against the two best teams in the West to open the season. They like, should be in go. it, had, had Minnesota not fallen apart last year, it pretty much would have been the top three teams in the East playing against the top three th- teams in the West. And it might still be. I mean, Minnesota might be the, the third right. best team in the West. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get closer to the season. I don't know if I love it. Like, I love – I wish all the non-conference games were really good games. But, like, conference games are so important, and they don't play any preseason games. And I don't know if I love it. Because you can recover better from a non-conference loss, almost no matter who it is. But, like, this could, like, decide the West. Like, if – if Iowa is sort of like slightly more ready to start the season than Wisconsin is, and like mm-hmm. Iowa beats Indiana and Wisconsin barely loses to Penn State, but then like by week six, it's like, oh, no, I think Wisconsin's the better team, but whatever, like it, it, it really matters. So that probably is a discussion for another day. I'm a little torn on what I think about that. As much as people hate preseason games in the NFL, I, don't, I wouldn't hate one preseason game in college. And I think down the line, if you go to a world where, you know, Ohio State's in whatever, a tier where they're only playing, like that might be a world where like that's how MAC teams get to play in Ohio Stadium. And Ohio State throws them half a million instead of a million or whatever it is. I know the the pay is more than a million now, but it's an exhibition game. It gets those kids, Mm -hmm. it gets Ohio kids playing for a MAC team in Ohio Stadium. It doesn't count against your record. 
it lets Ohio State work some stuff out. And I don't know that you have to expect the team to be at its best in week one when week one is like could be a season-defining game. I don't know. I don't love it. I think it would be almost more likely to happen as a version of the uh, secret scrimmages, the so-called secret scrimmages that happen in basketball, yeah. closed scrimmages, like no media, no fans, but, but everybody Miami of Ohio can come to Ohio Stadium and they'll play a scrimmage or or whoever would, would come here and, and play some sort of scrimmage. And honestly, again, now this is another podcast, but like in a world where if we think there could be a world where like, football sort of breaks off from the NCAA and isn't under their rules. They could make a, they could decide sure. that on their own for sure. Mm-hmm. And sure. why wouldn't they? Yeah. Hey, do you want to come do this? We w- we need some work. We don't have to pass an NCAA statute about it. You're just allowed to do what you want. And you could, you could make it a no tackle scrimmage like they do for the spring game or whatever. Like there's, there's a lot of opportunities that they could explore. I'm kind of surprised they haven't. Is it maybe it's just the, the tight time frame? I don't know. So we've gotten up to, up to the final two, the two highest, vote getters from our texters i assume we have not so that probably means all three of us the team we're marking down has not been said yet it's going to be one of these two teams correct yes so between oregon and penn state the two teams we have not named yet who do you guys think won the vote oregon i think oregon and i think i've talked about this it happens sometimes where what you put out into the world a little bit like affects then what you report about the world. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like a very specific example. I think I think I like wrote a thing like criticizing an Ohio State player. And then like I talked to him the next week and he was like, well, you know, people are saying this stuff. It's like, no, it's me. I said it <laughs> like it's. And then I wrote a story about him saying like, well, I'm showing the people who criticize me. It's like, well, now the loop is complete. <laughs> I wonder a little bit in a thing like this. It's like we hit the Oregon defense thing pretty hard in the wrap up of our top 50 ranking. Mm-hmm. I think we gave Oregon a lot of respect in the ranking. I think we leaned into they've got some dudes on defense in the discussion. We talked about they've got a couple receivers. They've got a couple running backs. Like, I wonder if we – and it's our audience. So, you know, I'm assuming there's a loop here, right, that people listen. They subscribe to the text. They vote on the thing. And, you know, they're living their lives. They're not – I mean, maybe Phil Steele influenced them. And he should probably influence them more. And everything else – but if they're most if they're absorbing the season through Buckeye talk so far, then I think it would lead you to vote for Oregon based on what we've said in the last month. So I think that would give Oregon even a little more of a push than they would have otherwise. But also, there's the I mean, our Texans aren't stupid. So some of this is just which team who has the better players, but also who has the best player in the game between Penn State and Oregon. And it's clearly Oregon with Kayvon Thibodeau and Penn State's version of that is down in Dallas going through training camp right now. And that matters. So Oregon did win the vote and it actually wasn't especially close. Oregon received 44% of our texture votes as the closest game on Ohio state schedule, 27% for Penn state. So those two combining for 71% of the vote, well over two thirds, but uh, almost, you know, approaching half for Oregon thinking that's going to be the toughest game of the year. I think that there are obviously some factors that, kind of tilt in Ohio State's favor for that game. The fact that they're going to get um, a couple extra days of recovery slash planning slash whatever because they've got a Thursday game the week before. The fact that it's a noon kickoff Eastern time, which means it's a 9 a.m. kickoff on Oregon body clocks, however much you want to think that that makes any kind of a difference. 
it's at Ohio State, so it's you're getting a home game, although we've talked before on this podcast about the kind of mediocre home field advantage that there seems to be at Ohio Stadium, if there is one. But I, I think it goes back to what you were saying, and this is the team I picked. This was I picked Oregon as mm-hmm. what's going to end up being the closest game on Ohio State's schedule because I think Oregon – has the best team that Ohio State's going to play this year. I hate to be simplistic about it, but I mean, this is a team that's probably going to come into the season uh, on the verge of being a, a top 10-ish team, I think. Um, you already mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau, Stephen. We've talked already. We had a, a long podcast that kind of recounted all of the strong guys that they have on this defense. Guys who, and it's not just like guys who were all Pac-12 or whatever. It's guys who were among the top rated players in their position nationally in their recruiting classes, guys who were, you know, five stars and guys who were, you know, um, you know top 50, top 100 type of guys. So essentially the kind of team guys that Ohio state puts on the field. Like this is the talent group that most mirrors Ohio state's talent group. I'm not saying it's a mirror image. I'm saying it's one that's closest to that. I think all of those factors, the fact that it's early in the year and Ohio state might still be figuring some things out makes this the most likely game to be, a, a close Ohio State win or even an Ohio State loss. I also looked at because that's part of it. It's um, Oregon's getting quarterback in game two while Penn State's getting them in game eight or nine. So I flipped it. I went, okay, if Oregon was playing Ohio State on October 30th and Penn State was playing Ohio State on September 11th, because they're both home games and they're both probably going to be on Fox at noon, right? So it's the same situa- scenarios. Who would I think would play Ohio State better and have a closer game? I still thought it was Oregon because Oregon's the better team, regardless of even if you gave Penn State an earlier game against Ohio State. I think I would agree with that. Phil Steele loves Penn State. So I'm in. I like Penn State too. I'm intrigued by Penn State. Phil in his preseason power poll, which if you get Phil's magazine, he ranks people in a lot of different ways. The power poll is like what he thinks. It's not like what he's predicting that other people will say. He has Penn State eight and he has Oregon 12. So, and he has Ohio state five. So that's a lot of respect for Penn state. And mm-hmm. on his list of 2021's most improved teams, he has Penn state first. So he thinks Penn state's coming and that might be right. But I think when you add in, if you think, that's pretty close, though, still, right? I mean, if, even if you – I agree with what you guys said. Oregon, I think, is a better team than Penn State right now. I think it's fair to say that. But even if you think it's close or it's tied, or even if you think Penn State is slightly better, I think the other part of it is I think we would think that Ohio State will be better as a team mm-hmm. by the time they play Penn State than they will be against Oregon based on the quarterback mostly, right? So that that makes Ohio State a little more vulnerable in week two than they will be in whatever it is week they play Penn state week five or six or whatever. So I think that factors in a little bit to why I also say Oregon. Yeah. I want to get to some of our texture responses because like I said, they were a heavy favorite on Oregon. The ones who picked Penn state uh, from the six one four Penn state still worries me the most. When you guys are going through your list of 50 best opponents, I felt like Penn state had a lot. It comes right after the Indiana game, which will be a big road game for OSU. And Penn State is always more hyped for their fake rival than OSU is to play Penn State. Feels like they're the closest in talent other than Oregon. And I think OSU is just going to be jacked to play Oregon and take it to them. And Luke from Denver, there are likely to be maybe three to four choices for voters. But for me, it is undoubtedly Penn State. 
remarkably down last year due to weirdness, in my opinion, but they're still the second most talented team in the Big Ten and arguably more talented than Oregon. I feel like those might be the voters' top two choices. He was right. Uh, the idea of those, I mean, Penn State almost becomes more of the trap game argument in a weird way, right? Like, who would have thought we'd ever say that? That because Penn State is following the Indiana game, that it might qualify as a trap game. Yeah, it is. I said week, it's week nine, yeah. right? That they have the bye in week seven at mm-hmm. Indiana week eight, home against Penn State mm-hmm. in week nine. Listen, I just, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be overlooking Penn State by they get to that point. If, if you know, they've got – Penn State has some tough games. They're at Wisconsin in week one, Auburn week three, Indiana week five, at Iowa week six. Like, if they're winning those games, like, you know, they'll have everybody's attention. And if they lose two of those games, then it will be like, oh, they won't be as good as we thought or whatever. So, you know, I don't – I don't know. I think they have a chance to – like, I I think I'm going to – I think I might pick them to beat Wisconsin in week one. I think when I did my breakdown of the schedule, I think I had that. And then Auburn, I don't know how good Auburn is right now, right? But then like Indiana, you know, Indiana, I think I think I picked Penn State to win that game. At Iowa's tough, right? I mean, the idea that somehow Penn State's crossovers, two of their Western crossovers are on the road at the two best teams in the West is like, yeah. again, compared to Ohio State, it's crazy. At Wisconsin and at Iowa is the toughest you could have from the West this year. So I also think there's room in there, guys, then for the idea of like, well, there's their record and there's how good they are. And then maybe again, I don't know. I always, I, I, it's like, I hate, say I hate trap games. Then I just talk about trap games. It's like the idea of like, maybe they're really good with two losses. Well, they had to go at Wisconsin, at Iowa, Wisconsin and Iowa are top 10 teams. Well, Penn state played them tough on the road and didn't win. And if you're looking at Penn state as like a two loss team, when Ohio State's playing them, it's like, well, man, I mean, they're really freaking good. They just were, had a tough schedule. So I think that's possible, too. The formula for those Ohio State losses in 2017-18 were teams that were underachieving, that were better than what their record was at the time they played Ohio State and even at the end of the season. And I think that could be true of someone like Penn State this year. I think because of that schedule that they, they could come into that game with a couple losses and people maybe being too quick to dismiss them. And that's how they catch Ohio State by surprise. I asked our texters, will Ohio State lose a regular season game in 2021? We've already marked down undefeated seasons for Ohio State in the regular season. What percentage do you guys think said Ohio State will lose a regular season game in 2021? Our texters. I will say 15. We, we asked this after the Quinn Ewers news and after we did a podcast talking about him maybe being the quarterback. So I will say that maybe jacked up the percentage. So I will say 31. You said 31% believe Ohio State will lose a regular season game. And, Stephen, you said 15? Yeah, I'll stick with that. It's right in the middle of that. 25% said Ohio State will lose a regular season game in 2021. So the other question I didn't ask, and I wish I had, uh, but I asked it to you guys, will Ohio State lose a regular season game while Quinn Ewers is in college? Which I assume takes us through (laughs) at least 2023, if not 2024. It's a very annoying question. Um, Are we marking down an undefeated career for a high school guy who might show up in a week? Or is that what we're doing? I mean, to be fair, I, I mean, Justin did it. So and he he went undefeated in the regular season. So it's not a, 
a crazy idea that someone who's rated in the same stratosphere as him would do it. It's just that's a lot more games. I'm gonna believe in in the pen, in uh, the Big Ten quarterback play getting better. Yeah, and that uh, it's not doubting Ohio State. It's wondering if there's gonna be more people if we move past the Shea Patterson, Sean Clifford era, mm-hmm. Jack Cohn era of trying to beat Ohio State, and if we're more in the era of some dudes who can sling it, um, I think it just increases the chances of that. So I would bet no. I, I would think yeah. that he'll he'll lose a regular season game somewhere. So in addition to this year's schedule, Ohio State plays Notre Dame in 2022, also plays at Penn State in 2022, plays Iowa at home, plays Wisconsin at home, uh, then Michigan at home. And in 2023, they open at Indiana. And Indiana's recruiting well right now, so maybe Indiana keeps this going. And, and But that seems also – that collides with when we think Ohio State will be at full strength. Uh, they play at Notre Dame that year. They play at Purdue, if you if you believe in that mojo, home against Penn State, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan that year. So if you think he's – if he comes this year and you think he's gone after 2023, those are among the games that would be on the table. But there's no – no. I mean, Notre Dame, I guess, is the big non-conference thread. There's no Alabama, no Texas, no Georgia. All that stuff comes later. That's part of it. It's That's a lot of teams who might by, – by no later than 2023 might have top 100 quarterbacks who are pretty freaking good along with enough talent around it to maybe pull off an upset, especially if it's at home. And let me, let me ask this question. If like by 23, for instance, we are in a 12 team playoff world and whenever the 12 team playoff comes, does the advent of the 12 team playoff for a team like Ohio state increase the likelihood of Ohio state losing a regular season game or decrease the likelihood of Ohio state losing a regular season game? Because there will be less pressure on you have to win every week. Right, Because as Ryan Day said at Big Ten Media Days, when you go to a 12-team thing, you can survive a loss and it doesn't ruin your season. So if the pressure of having to win every week is off, does that actually increase the likelihood that you'll win them all because you won't feel as much pressure? Or does it increase the likelihood of you'll throw in an extra loss here and there because not that you're not taking it seriously, but the end of the world part of it, and maybe there's something about if a guy has a borderline injury, you're a little more likely to rest him because you think, well, even if we lose, we'll be okay. We'll just be a lower seed. We want to get him healthy for the playoff. Which way does that bend, or does it not have any effect at all? I think it might increase the likelihood of you winning just because with Ohio State's position, there's still some gamesmanship of seeding. Yeah, you want the buy, and you can lose a game and still get the buy, but you also kind of want to put yourself in the best position to get the highest seed possible. Yeah, I still think there's huge value in being a top four seed. Wait, you've got to be clearly just not the- not. I mean, it's not going to increase it because there's not more value if that's your rationale. There's not more value in being a top four seed than there is in getting it at all. True. I mean, of course, it's still important to be a top four, but now if you're five, you're out. Then if you're five, you get a home game. So, like, it can't – it's not going to increase the value of being top four. So that can't be the argument. So there are other arguments of why it might increase, whatever. It, it increases the chances of winning or decreases, but clearly that's not the case. Yeah, I understand what you're – what the stance you're arguing from. I'm just trying to, to, to envision that scenario – where, uh, you know, Justin Fields late in the 2019 season, his knee was banged up. 
Ohio State knew it was going to make the playoff anyway, so they just completely rested him against Michigan. Or they rested him against Wisconsin. I guess we wouldn't be talking about regular season then technically at that point. But they just hold him out to make sure he's as fully healthy for the playoff. I, I guess I could see a scenario like that that makes you more vulnerable for a loss. Yeah, I don't know. We could probably talk about it later. I just thought, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, I wonder what the influence is because, because if the, if college football gets more like the NFL for the best teams, nobody in the NFL thinks you have to go undefeated, right? right? I mean, when the Chiefs lose, people don't go, oh my God, oh, oh, the, oh, the Chiefs are only going to go 14 and two. No, I mean, it doesn't matter. So like, does that permeate Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State that it's like, all right, whatever. They lost to Purdue. Nobody saw it coming. They're fine. Or, you know, or does it not, again, I don't think it can, like, or is it just no effect? It's like, no, 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 no. Every week still super, 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 super matters in college football. And whatever it is, there's no such thing as like a, quote, acceptable loss at Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson, no matter how many teams get in the playoff. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's the latter. I, it might take a while, even in a 12-team playoff, for it to get to that point where it is in the NFL where a loss doesn't kill you, where in the NFL, it's, you don't try to go undefeated until you realize that you're getting close to doing it. I think college football, it's so embedded to win every single week that it, even if, let's just say the 2023, the 12 playoff team playoff shows up, it might be a decade before that whole every game matters gets out of people's system. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, we never actually answered the question of Quinn Ewers will lose a game when he's in college, whether he's the starter or not. And oh, we want to answer it. <laughs> you said like so, while he's in college, while he's yes. a member of the roster, will they lose a regular season game? Correct. So you're asking if Ryan Day will be undefeated in the regular season for his first five years as a head coach. I say no. I say they will lose a game with Quinn Ewers on the roster. Just because, man, that's hard. That's not easy to do. Although I, I was looking. I was looking. The only game that Clemson lost during Trevor Lawrence's yep. tenure was, was not that. a game that he played quarterback in the regular season. They lost at Notre Dame this past year in four overtimes or whatever. To it, so they lost on the road to another playoff team. That's their only regular season loss in Trevor Lawrence era, and he didn't play. Now, I mean, the thing, I I do think you have to take into account the idea that in that situation. The rest of the ACC blows. Yes. I, I, you do have to take that into consideration. And it took a team who's not technically in the ACC to do it. That's and, great. And, and, like <laughs> and Clemson's non-conference rec, uh, schedule, I think they're – It blows. They're working on that a little bit, but it's, it's been a little bit – It's South Carolina because it's a oh. rivalry. And it blows. Way, it's Georgia now. They're playing Georgia oh, yeah. this yeah. year, which is right. Right, it's which a I step think, up this year. But I think they'll lucky, the lucky Trevor during the Lawrence era. He didn't have yeah. to play Trevor. Too scary. Um, yeah, I'm gonna lean though as well. I think they'll lose eventually, just because the caveat is you're asking is Ryan Day gonna go five straight years without losing a regular season game, and that's just a ridiculous thing to ask anybody to do. Yeah, I think that it's just it, – it, it, it's what makes college football great is at some point the team that's the overwhelming favorite loses a game they're not supposed to. I mean, it, it, it eventually happens to pretty much every team. I think five years would be a long time to go to completely avoid that landmine. So, although, again, it's weird to predict that as Ohio State, we think, might be coming towards like a, a talent peak. And we're, and we're all picking to go 12-0 and 0 in 2021. So we think next year and in 2023, when they should be even better, is the years that they'll lose the game. 
So there's something uh, that we asked tech subscribers to help us with a couple episodes ago, which was the whole like Goliath and David thing, right? Yes. Goliath here. Yes. And people definitely came to the conclusion of, of it's like David on the streets, Goliath in the sheets, which is like yes. was there in the moment. And I just didn't, we didn't want yes. to go there in the moment. Although, frankly, someone said Goliath on the streets, David in the sheets. And I was like, I don't think that's what you're looking for. No, I, I responded. I said, I think that's either backwards or you were taking a shot at Doug. Nobody wants yeah. that. Nobody wants that, that scenario. In any no. Like, like, hey, whoa, hey, look at that guy walking. Down. Oh, so <laughs> uh, I mean, that was always there. It was always there. And so thank you for helping us get there, tech subscribers. So now here's the next question for tech subscribers is, there must be a thing. This is this is slightly more advanced than David on the streets, Goliath in the sheets. The 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 what is the thing called? There must be a name for it. Where you don't think a thing will happen when you in any specific individual moment, but over the totality, you believe yep. at some point it will yeah. happen. So, like, I think it is possible that when we go through, like predict Ohio mm -hmm. State every single game for like 2021, 20, 22, and 23. In the moment, we predict a win every time. But from the 30,000 feet, it's like, well, you think, well, one of those weeks I'm going to be wrong. I don't know which week it is. I will never yeah. pick them to lose, but I think they will lose. Like that must be a – that's a scientific thing, right? So I think yeah. that's probably it's, what's happening here. It's legitimately – it's a scientific thing because if, you, if you're a basketball fan and you follow like the Ken Palm ratings, you go look at the team-by-team mm -hmm. – uh, predictions on Ken Palm, what he has game by game doesn't add up to the projected record at the bottom. And it's because of that. It's because there's a percentage of likelihood for every game. And you get enough of those games where the percentage is barely in a team's favor and it factors eventually one of those will be a loss or whatever. So this is where Alabama lives. I feel like in the sec where if you just ask, to, which is to the point of this is what they're chasing. It's if you just go, is Alabama going to lose an SEC game in the next three years? Obviously, yes. The SEC's got good programs. Florida's good, pretty good. LSU has its moments. Georgia's good as well. But if you just go through their schedule from a year by year basis and look at people's rosters, you go, well, oh, they're going to win that one by forty. They're going to win that one by forty. They're going to win that one by forty. So. I mean, this is who they're chasing, and so this is the, the type of conversation people have about Bama, and this is how we consistently have talked about Ohio State for the past 20 years, basically. And I do think the thing that is hard to project ahead is the transfer situation because Shea Patterson turned out not to be it for Michigan. I mean, that guy was like the number one quarterback recruit in the country when he went to Ole Miss mm -hmm. and then, you know, winds up coming back to Michigan and, and is, is good, is fine, but is not great. But at some point, I think it's very possible that the next Joe Burrow transfers to Michigan or Penn State or Indiana or Wisconsin or Iowa or something, and you don't see it coming. And then it's like, oh, holy crap. Like, where did that guy fr come from? This very good program didn't really necessarily recruit him or develop him. But when he was looking for a shot to play, he was like, I'll go there. And he was good enough to beat Ohio State once, right? I think, I think you just enhance – because if Joe Burrow didn't go to LSU, uh, Alabama wouldn't have that loss. So, right. and and there would have been a time when that wouldn't have happened. Now it's going to happen, and it's only going to happen more. So we're you're on alert more for the program changing quarterback for a good Big Ten program that has an effect on Ohio State. 
And we've talked about how likely it is that a quarterback Ohio State is developing right now could end up being a quarterback it has to face sometime in the next three years. Yeah, there's just going to be – and I think it's super – again, it's probably we should write this. I think it's super interesting in the Big Ten because that's what's held the Big Ten back. And it's what held LSU back. I mean, that's sure. an example of – LSU was like a really good program, great talent. They just couldn't ever find a quarterback. And then they found a quarterback, and then they had like one of the greatest one of the seasons in college football history. Yeah. You know, surrounded by great talent. Did they ever. But, you know, that is, that is really out there. And – you know, I think it's, I mean, it's, like it's happening at Georgia right now. Yeah. Like, if you think Georgia's going to make the playoff, it's because they got USC's former starting quarterback. Because they have great talent, and I don't think anybody thinks JT Daniels is Joe Burrow, but it's a version of it. And if they can coalesce all their extreme skill position and defensive talent around a better quarterback than they've had for a while. And let it, listen, we know they recruited good quarterbacks. They just never – Jake Fromm wasn't at Justin Fields, but – that's the thing. And so, like, let get back to us on this question when JT Daniels shows up in State College. The, or the, super, team, the super team's kind of living in the SEC because of that right now. And even – I know we've thrown out the Kyle McCord if he ends up at Penn State, if things don't work out here, here for him. But is the talent around Penn State, would that allow Kyle McCord to elevate them? Or any person to – you're a five-star quarterback at Ohio State who didn't pan out, but you stay in the Big Ten. Does the talent around that five-star allow the five-star to elevate it the same way that JT Daniels might be able to do for Georgia? Or I know Joe Burrow wasn't a five-star, but that's a four-year, five-year guy in college football at that point. The way they elevated those SEC teams to be able to do that. That's where the disconnect is right now. There's enough teams in the SEC who recruit the talent base that they're a quarterback away from being able to elevate themselves. And right now, I don't know if the Big Ten is there. That's going to wrap up this edition of Market Down Monday on Buckeye Talk. Anything we need to tell them about this week? Obviously, camp starts this week. We're going to start having those podcasts where we sort of react to what we learn from the interviews that we're doing, hopefully in-person interviews we're doing with Ryan Day and assistant coaches and Ohio State players. Those will start this week, we expect. Uh, anything else on deck from a theme standpoint, Doug? No, I mean, we're going to keep doing the Mount Buckmore's. Mount Buckmore, that's right. So we'll have that coming. You know, if we need to move it off of Friday some week because there's too much news and whatever, I mean, we will. But I think it'll be on Friday probably more often than not. And if, if something really pops, maybe we'll make it a bonus Saturday podcast or something because I would like to get through those before the season starts. Um, and the only other thing I would say this, I would say is this, is that we had a, a meeting. And again, I like to talk about behind the scenes stuff on the podcast. We had a meeting about like promoting Buckeye Talk more. And we talked about the idea that we feel like word of mouth has helped us over the years, right? Because I don't know that we've ever made like a huge promotional push. I would be curious. I think maybe we did do a survey at one point, but like, I don't know that I saw the answers to it of like, how did you find us? Like, what did, did you stumble on us by accident, whatever? So I would ask, we just would like to, we love our audience, but we think we have a good podcast and we think we could have even more listeners. So we want more of a good thing, more of a great thing. You guys are awesome to us. So I would offer this challenge. Again, it's always one of these things. You've made it this far. This is the core of the core. If you're listening right now, I, I don't know if I want to say it as a challenge. It's a favor. It's a favor. Find three people that you know that care about Ohio State football at least a little bit and ask them if they listen to Buckeye Talk. And if they don't, ask them to try us. And that's free PR. They didn't even say that in the meeting. We just came up with that. So like that's, 
and I know a lot of you guys have already done that. We've heard stories of it and we couldn't be more grateful, but man, we'd like what we do. So find your Ohio state friends, ask them if they listen. And if they don't say, you know what? Want to give them a try and see what you think and then report back. I, I, I know this is mostly about me. I know some people will hate it. Some people will hate it. I know that, but I think some people will like it. So that's the favor we're asking because we love you guys. And you want them to hate you the right way sometimes. I don't know if anybody's seen the movie uh, Private Parts about Howard Stern and uh, they're early in his career, they're coming and they got the, the rating results. And it's like, oh, he's got a huge number of fans and the people who love him, they listen for this amount of time every week. What about the people who hate him? Like, oh, well, they listen twice as long because they just want to hear what he's going to say next so they can yell at him. So I'm not saying that you're Howard Stern. I kind of look. So you like should him. have said. You should have said that. Now it's, you kind of look, look like him. What? You look nothing like him. I, 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 what, what it boils down to is, in this business, you want to either be loved or you want to be hated. If you're on the fence, it's probably not a good place to live. But I would like to say I have never said anything on this podcast that I don't think. So all the things, the things yeah. you hate me for are legitimate. They are not <laughs> fake. You actually hate me, the real Doug. So, and I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, I'm not being wrong for effect. I'm being wrong because I'm stupid. Buckeye talk. So that's, again, just to reinforce that. But yes, that's probably right. Come join the argument. You can yell back at Doug. He enjoys it. He thrives on it. So come join the argument. We, we appreciate all of you who are listening. And uh, stick with us because we're about to get some real football to bring to you. So with that, for Doug and Reese and for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. And that was Buckeye Talk.